It's another day in your life. I know this because I'm with you for every detailed nuance you choose to acknowledge or ignore. I'm not really anyone that's special or important. I'm a bit boring myself, and that being said, we'll focus on you for the duration of this podcast. If you ever wondered what happens after you die, why you can't let go of your first love, why you're always choosing people who hurt you or maybe fearful you'll miss the best part of your life among the details of routine, well, that's where I come in. See, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life because you're already living it. I'm here to narrate the details of what you're doing so when you wake up or when you fall asleep, you'll know the day you lived, well, it matters. Welcome to Narratives. You stagger forward and hear your footsteps drag behind you. The effect is weird because your senses are delayed. The sense of fatigue had started to settle in your legs first and moved up into your hips. Your brain is firing a series of messages that are demanding more adrenaline be produced. You reach out with your hands and find the doorknob. It rattles in your grip. The door opens. Popping slightly on the hinge as you peer into the dark hallway. Howard across the hall is blasting his music again. You try to speak, but you're exhausted. Your lungs are trying their best to push against the weight of the atmosphere. But you know you're drowning in them. You grab at your stomach. At the wound that's pouring blood out of your body. Another odd view. To see the dark purple color of your insides now illuminated by the tungsten bulbs above you. The scent is undeniable. That weird menagerie of aromas in the musty hall. Reheated stew. Stale TV dinners. The imitation scent of lilacs from the shampoo downstairs. It belongs to Melinda. That soft-spoken Hungarian woman in 3A. The dust in the floorboards. The humid mildew smell that saturates all of these century-old Chicago tenements. It creeps into your nose. As the blood begins to spill out of your wound again, you move further into the now oddly cold stairwell. It's July, and usually always hot in the building. You manage to keep yourself upright as you stagger down the five flights of stairs to the first floor. The lobby is bathed in the yellow glow left from the basement highway light bulb. It fights the darkness that is ever present in the small, low-ceilinged room. A few neighbors have come out to see what the hell is going on. The amount of noise your body made down the stairs was enough to open doors and anger tenants used to gunfire and domestic violence. You hear Danny in 2B, that kid that lingers near the CTA depot at the end of the street. He yells at his dad that someone's been stabbed again. He doesn't seem surprised. You begin to set small goals for yourself. Things that can keep you motivated. Make it to the gold-plated mail slots by the door. If you can make it to there, you can start looking forward to possibly getting outside. 
through the side door that serves as the main entrance, since the wrought iron gates and locks are rusted over on the other side of the building. You make it to the mail slots and smear blood across the wall by accident. The thought of caring about the mess slips from you as the side door creeps open on its own. The heavy wooden door, lined with reinforced steel since it was constantly being popped open with crowbars. It occasionally creaks due to the drafts coming off Lake Michigan. The building has no air conditioning, so the windows are left open and the stairwells from the second floor up. During the summers, the breezes are hot and if you're lucky enough, a draft blows through the apartment hallways to help ventilate the building. The side door is open because of this. Not past the reinforced security bolts that keep them secured, but just through the two-inch gap between the frame and door itself. Next small goal. Get outside. If you can lean towards the entry bar on the door, it'll pop open. And you can feel the warmth of the summer night outside. It's freezing. And you're exhausted now. And it's harder to breathe. And everything is so cold. You fall forward and manage to hit the door's entry bar. It pops open and the warmth of the night finds you finally. The tall row of bushes manicured that morning hide you from the outside passers-by. You fall down the cracked cement stoop and land face first against the wrought iron fence and somehow manage to open the gate to access the sidewalk. The street lamp lights are yellowed. The streets themselves are alive with the usual homeless and wandering opportunists. You move towards the street lamp. Sirens are blaring in the distance. Did Melinda call the cops? Next. Small goal. Make it to the street lights. They'll be the most beautiful thing to see before you die. You can't see the stars from where you live anymore. The lake is a block away. It's an impossible distance given the lack of breath. Your legs barely cooperate as your brain struggles to process the world in front of you. The night, with its shadows, golden tint, faint grays, and blue neon lights at the end of the street, they're less coherent now. The cement slams in your face. You choke with the impact. Drag yourself, bloody fingers gather dirt to your skin. The curb is filthy. You're being crushed to death, yet no one's on your back. Your left lung has collapsed. Your right lung can't open with all the blood that's collected inside of it. You're ten feet from the streetlight when your eyes shut and you succumb to the weight of the atmosphere. It's freezing in July. When you wake up, the light from your bedside lamp is the same hue as the one in the hallway of your dream. You sit up with a mix of adrenaline and ethanol and it makes your stomach churn. Your watch says 10.36. As you shake your head, you wonder if you passed out early. 
Usually you tend to stay up longer after drinking. For a minute. You don't know who you are. Or where you are. Or what's happened to you. You stand up still wearing your work clothes. A suit. And you still have your shoes on. You're in a bedroom. A master bedroom. And music plays from downstairs. Other voices mingle. A party, maybe. The window you make your way to does not have a brick wall to stare at. Or cram city streets or traffic. The window you stare out of, that you open and feel the night breeze move through, bestows upon your drunken gaze an open field of farmland, complete with a pond, grazing horses, and a beautiful silver moon that reflects off the water surface, as if to remind you that something terrible has just happened to you in another world, in another life. Murder on Juneway Terrace was written and performed by Gabriel N. Elizondo. Music and effects provided by Epidemic Sound. For a complete list of featured songs in this episode and additional content, please visit www.gabrielnelizondo.com or click the link in the show notes. Narratives with Gabriel N. Elizondo is a Crown and Coil production. All written content and performances are exclusive properties of Crown and Coil Productions. If you liked what you heard, please leave a rating and review. It really does help. And thank you for being a part of our story. (laughs) 